Awesome. You can grab a seat, grab your Bibles out. And uh, I'm excited. I don't know about you, but I'm excited about what God's doing. And uh, we're really, uh, as a family, obviously, we're really excited about uh, being away and uh, what God's got in store for us, but also spending time together as a family. Uh, we just think it's an awesome opportunity uh, for us and, uh, and a chance for us also to just see what God's doing in another part of the world, and uh, which is going to be good. I'm going to be preaching next week, actually, at uh, the newest Equipers Church, which is in uh, Pismo Beach in California. Um, and Pismo is about halfway between San Francisco and LA. So we're going to California on the way for two reasons. Once there's, there's Equipers Church there and there's Disneyland there. Uh, so two good reasons to visit California, and uh, so that's going to be good. And then the week after that, um, it's probably the guest speaking um, appearance that I'm most excited about. Uh, I don't know, um, I've, I've, across my uh, career, if that's the right word for preaching, but across as I've been preaching, you get emails every now and then inviting you to speak places. And um, sometimes it's, you know, oh, cool, well, that's, that'd be good fun to preach there and uh, nice to be, be good to meet those people or whatever. Uh, but this one was just hilarious. It was just a, the best email I've ever received because I've been invited to preach at a town called Middle Fart. Uh, and I think that's going to be fun. Uh, and they've already apologized for the name of their town, but uh, it's going to be very good fun. So that's in Denmark, which is going to be very good. Uh, anyway, uh, before we get in preaching, we're going to, we're going to read, I'm going to read the Bible from um, Book of Matthew chapter 9, and we'll read from verse 35 in just a second. But I'm going to get three people join me on stage. We've got the amazing Mia or Amelia Smith. Um, Luca is here in the building. Luca Horgovos, why don't you come and join us? Uh, and the incredible Sarah August, why don't you come? Uh, we're going to pray for these guys. Jump up on the platform, uh, uh, and uh, we're going to pray for these guys. Um, so why don't you join me, Ali and uh, uh, Rach, if you're here. Alice and Rachel are the, our, uh, our local elders, uh, and so good to have them come and pray. Um, I just want to tell you about who these guys are. This is the amazing Luca. How many people remember Luca? Yeah. And uh, Luca got saved through Revolution Tour and Revolution Youth um, just two years ago, just two years ago as a student at Rongatai College. Uh, and, uh, you know, most people don't realize that Luca's only been a Christian for two years, uh, and people don't, most people don't realize he's only been in our church for two years. Uh, he's one of those people who's really made himself part of the family and, uh, but, and contributes just a huge amount. Uh, and the amazing Mia, um, yeah, very amazing. Mia arrived at the start of this year. How many people should remember when she arrived? Uh, and uh, Mia did Bible College in Auckland last year and has been uh, an intern all of this year, uh, really focusing in on the kids' ministry area. And uh, um, if you've got kids in church, you'll know that there's just been uh, just – the kids ministry has gone from strength to strength with Mia's input, just adding extra leadership, uh, just an, another pair of hands in the team to start with, but also bringing some fresh ideas and really holding the team together. And you've just done an awesome job with that, Mia. And how many people? How many people know Sarah? Give me a wave if you know Sarah. If you don't, maybe you don't haven't seen her around. But Sarah August arrived also at the start of last year. Start of last year, Sarah arrived, and the first Sunday that Sarah came to church, and I don't think this has ever happened before in the history of our church, uh, but she arrived at church. She came to uni early, as far as I know. She came to Wellington early so she could find a church, get set, make sure she was ready. Uh, she came to church, um, took away with her all of the e-group material, uh, and then she started an e-group that week. And then the next week, she turned up at church. I was out the front at Webster. I was out the front, and it was like, who is this arriving? It was Sarah and like a posse, 10 or 15 
between 10 and 15 other people from her hall, people like the amazing Hillary, uh, Shay, uh, I'm trying to think who else was in that first group on that Sunday, um, Charlotte, uh, others. Um, and I just think that that's a great gift, great passion, great energy as well. So all three of these guys, um, you will remember when we talked about Miracle Offering, what we wanted to do is we wanted someone to focus on youth, someone to focus on kids, and someone to focus on campus, uh, and we were going to get behind them. So if you gave the Miracle Offering, which most of these guys did as well, uh, all of them did actually, uh, uh, the, those of us who've given to Miracle Offering, the, this, is the, this is the first step of it. These guys have given up some time to do it. And, uh, and they're really, it's, they're going to have job descriptions and stuff because we sort of have to do that. But we're, I'm, what I'm wanting to say, they sort of asked me, what do you want me to do? And what I'm sort of saying is that as a church, what we want to do is we just want to get behind you. Because we can recognize the gifts that are on their life. And so with uh, Luke is going to really, uh, we're really believing for open doors at Rongatai College for Luca to begin a program there. Uh, we're pretty certain they'll say yes because they've been asking him to do it already for about a year. Uh, and uh, we just, uh, Mia's really excited. Next year we're doing it for the first time for a while. We're doing a kids camp. Uh, and Mia's already started planning that. And um, I was on the phone, uh, t- a conference call with, um, with Sarah, Alistair, and um, uh Ollie and Nelson uh, from Auckland, and he runs Red Frogs in New Zealand. If you don't know what Red Frogs is, you probably need to Google it. Um, and uh, they, they, they've got interest already um, from the Wellington Business Association wanting to help fund a Friday night, Saturday night um, safety program on Courtney Place, specifically focused at university students. So they're going to do that a trial. Hopefully they're planning a trial for next month, and um, Sarah is going to lead that team, that Red Frogs team, um, to do something great. So... It's just going to be awesome. I just think if, uh, if we can, uh, as a church, we're getting behind these guys because we believe the gifts that are on their life and we're believing for God to do something great. So we thought we'd get them up here uh, we could, so you could see them, so you know who you're praying for when you're praying. So why don't you jump to your feet, extend your hands out, and I'm going to pray for these guys but on the mic, but let's all pray together. Amen. Lord God, we just thank you for these three. And Lord, we do take this moment to, to really um, get behind them, Lord God, to uh, add our amen to their yes, Lord God, that we can recognize in them the gift of God. We can recognize the call of God on their life. And Lord, we thank you that for all of them, there's already fruit of that, Lord God. The other people, including us, have been blessed by the gifts that you've placed upon them. And Lord, right now, we do. We set them apart, Lord God. We pray your protection around them. We pray your, your spirit would rest upon them in new measure, Lord God. We pray for vision, revelation, insight, Lord God. We pray for peace, Lord God, as they begin planning, focusing, and working towards next year, Lord God. We pray and we thank you, Lord God, that you open doors, Lord God, that no one else can close and you close doors that no one else can open. Lord, we just thank you for opportunities for the gospel to be extended in our city. And we pray for these guys. We set them apart before you in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said? Amen. Give them one more round of applause. And uh, they'll need a year's worth of encouragement and prayer uh, between now and the end of this year and then uh, two years' worth next year. Grab a seat. That'd be awesome. I'm going to invite Nigel. He's going to come and uh, pray and prophesy. Is that all right? Uh, and uh, it's a great blessing having uh, different people contributing into a service. And uh, if you're visiting, uh, which I don't know how many people are, but we're, if you are visiting, it's, we don't always do services like this, but it's great to have a bit of a family day, isn't it? And so, uh, yeah, Nigel, over to you. Last week when uh, it was mentioned that this was our anniversary this week, the Lord just quickened a few things to me and I began to see afresh what He hopes for the future, what His plan for this place is. And His plan is to fill it. Fill it to overflowing. 
the Lord gave me a very, and I don't get technicolor visions, okay, but I got a technicolor picture of this place. We were crowded in here. We were crowded behind those curtains because they weren't there. And the balcony was stacked up and there were people waiting to get in. And we're not just talking average Joe Blows. We're talking all ranges of our society. We're talking government. We're talking the heads of various departments here. We're talking those that earn their living by their bodies here. We're talking those that are broken by drugs and so on here, being restored and, and enlightened. And that's what God is intending to do in this place. And that is what he intends to do through you and through me. He wants us to have lots of brothers and sisters in this place. Not so that we would have brothers and sisters, but so that we would have influence. Not just in this area, not just in this town, not just in this country, but across the globe. This is a town of government. And God is the government. Okay, that's how it really works. We don't often see it like that. And what I wanted to say this morning is that we need to lift our eyes. It is so easy to come in here. We've been coming here for a year and it's great. Yeah, we've had the odd occasion at Paramount and stuff, but it's great. But it's hard work. And it's hard work. The people that come and set this up, I I must admit it, I I woke up early this morning and thought, oh, I really need to go and help the pack team. And then I heard the rain. And I rolled over. So, but I know that it's hard work, okay? But nothing comes easy. Nothing comes easy, okay? And what God is wanting us to look at this morning is not looking at the empty seats, not looking at there's not many of us, not looking at the natural that is, but looking to the future as to what God will have in this place, that what God will have men and women in this place that are changed and redeemed, regardless of whether they are prostitutes or whether they are government ministers, they are sinners and they need Jesus Christ. And Jesus will change their lives and this place will be full to the overflowing, not just in one service, not just in two, but in many. And God will change this city and God will change this nation because that's what he wants to do. So what I wanted to encourage this morning is that we look as God would see it, not as we see with our natural eyes, not as we see with our own thinking and our own limitations, but as to what God sees, because this place is full already, just I haven't come yet, that's what we need to have, we need to have faith to believe that, yes we do, but God has given us that faith. You know, we're here and we know that God will change things. Amen? Amen. And so that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Nigel. Why don't we stand to our feet? I know you've been up and down a bit already, but maybe lift your hands. I think when when God speaks through prophets and speaks prophetically, sometimes it it can just wash over us and that's a blessing too. But I thought, man, that's the sort of way we actually need to respond to. 
Um, and so maybe lift your hands and, and I'll pray, but maybe you begin to pray. I just think maybe there's, there, there's an aspect where we need to just allow God to open our own. Uh, even we need to choose to just open our vision and just see what's before us. I, I, I just get the idea of just God wanting, even right now as you pray, God's going to lift uh, uh, just a, a veil across your eyes where you've actually been limited in your vision, limited in your perspective. And Lord, right now we ask, Lord, for your presence to come. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for your plan, for the bigness of who you are. But Lord, I pray right now for us as your people, that Lord God, that we'd have vision, Lord God, that our eyes would be uh, enlightened, Lord God, our eyes would open, Lord, to see what you're doing, that we wouldn't just see, but we'd see correctly with corrected perspective on of our own life, a corrected perspective of our time, a corrected perspective of our energies and our finance. Lord God, that we'd live our lives with a correct perspective, not missing who you are, what you're doing, what your plan is in the world. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, grab a seat and uh, we'll get stuck into it. If you've got your Bible, I am going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 9. And uh, I was in preparing this message. uh, It was was one of those sermons when I was preparing or when I was working with the ideas. um, They just got longer and longer and longer. And I ended up with enough sort of ideas um, to entertain us through. uh, But, you know, I can't because I'm going on sabbatical. Uh, And so what what I've decided to do is just focus on this very start of this passage. Uh, and I, I want to challenge you to do some reading and do some of your own study. What I want to do is I want to provoke you uh, this morning and tonight, and then I want you to do some work thinking out what does it mean in your world. Most of what we preach on a Sunday, we, we preach about 30% of what God's really saying. The real work is to think, well, that's the idea, that's the seed, or that's the kernel of the idea. How does that work in, you know, in my job at Victoria University, if you Google? Or, or how does that work at Weta Digital, if you're Mark McNichol? Or how does it work in a hospital, uh, if that's where you work? How does that work in my family? How does that work in my own heart with my own challenges? That's where the real, that's actually where the Word of God makes a difference. You know, the Word of God's referred to as, as bread or as food. How many people know that you can sometimes be in a state where food just goes through you without doing any good to you, right? We don't talk too much about the details of that. We know what that is and we know what it's like. We don't want to talk about it, right? But I think sometimes we can have that same condition in our soul, our spirit, or in our approach to God's Word, where it just happens around us, but we don't actually get the nourishment out of it. Uh, and I think we need, to chew, we need to chew our food. So can I challenge you to do that? So I'm going to preach from Matthew chapter 9, but I want you to read Matthew chapter 9 and Matthew chapter 10 this week in your devotions. And I want you to just chew it and think about what we're talk- what I'm talking about and just allow God to speak into your world. Amen? Okay, Maddie's going to throw it up on the screen, or James has been deputized by Maddie. Uh, he's going to throw it up on the screen. And uh, this is Matthew chapter 10, I'm looking at uh, 9. I'm looking at Ezekiel 9, which is significantly wrong. Quite a different concept there. Not 35 verses either. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says this. It says this. Jesus traveled through all the cities and the villages of that area, um, teaching in the synagogues, that's church, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And wherever he went, so he went to the synagogues and preached, but then wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of disease and every illness. Verse 36, he felt great pity for the crowds that came. The older translation says that he was moved with compassion. 
uh, the, the, the original Greek language sort of emphasizes a physical response that Jesus had. He was moved. He was physically impacted by the sight of these crowds of people that were following him. He saw them, and it says he's moved with compassion, he, or he had great pity for them because of their problems were so great. They didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion. They were like sheep without a shepherd. It says the says they were scattered. But Jesus saw the crowd, and he didn't just see the crowd. He saw where they were, where they were at. You know, you can seek people without seeing people. You can walk Lambton Key without really seeing people. You're just seeing bodies moving past. You can ride the bus without seeing people. You can, I know I ride on the airplane all the time, and I use it. Uh, I use the air, ride on the airplane as a time to put my headphones in and focus on me. But there are people sitting next to me that you'd end up not even seeing. But Jesus, in, this, in, in the busyness of his ministry, he's preaching in the synagogues. He's healing people everywhere, healing all the sicknesses, all the illnesses, but he's also seeing them. He's seeing them, and he's moved with compassion. That's the heart you hear in what Nigel's prophesying as well, that God wants to fill this space because God loves people. He loves people. God loved the world so much he sent Jesus to die. It's the central aspect of who God is, is that he loves he doesn't love at a distance. He doesn't love in, in passively. He loves in action. Unconditionally and fully, God loves. It says this. He says to his disciples, the harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. Pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers for his fields. The harvest is great and the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask Him to send out more workers for His fields. I'm excited today that we're praying for Luca and Amelia and Sarah because they're great workers. I was excited this morning when Malachi turned up at Packin and the team. I don't know how many teens can get out of bed on time for Packin. I know that Isaac can. Uh, yeah, we've got a good representation of year 10s, actually, in our pack-in team. Uh, but, but Malachi's mum has to drop him off. I don't know how many year 10s can get their mum to drop them off. You've got to be pretty passionate about the house of God to do that. But I'm excited. I'm inspired by that. Because work, it makes a difference. People who work make a difference. Uh, one of the things I know, being a smith, is that I'm descended from people who work. If, if your name is Smith, you're descended from people who did work. You know, either you know, woodwork, uh, woodsmiths, they were called carpenters, actually. If your surname's Carpenter, you, you can include yourself in my illustration here. Um, you, you know, goldsmiths, silversmiths, and obviously the work of all the blacksmith and the iron forge who created the technology, created the modern world, the blacksmith. If your name is something other than that, you, you're obviously famous for something other than work. You know, the Browns, famous for having brown hair. Uh, I'm sure there was other things about the original browns that were spectacular and striking, but nothing quite so as their long flowing brown hair. When I, when I was a boy, um, uh, my dad's like a, do, a DIY kind of guy, and I think everybody's dad was in the 1970s and 80s, uh, because everyone had to DIY because nobody had any money. 
Uh, less and less people do DIY now because we actually spend money on things. Uh, and also, we, you know, less and less people are excited about being electrocuted, falling off ladders, or in my dad's case, sawing off his left thumb with a circular saw. He did it himself, uh, and um, and then he got a surgeon to undo it. And uh, so my dad, if you meet my dad, uh, it's worth a, it's worth a chat. He'll show you. He's got um he when he cut off his thumb with the circular saw, it did significant damage. The, the, the bit of thumb that went flying off was a little bit messy, and so it was collected, obviously, and uh, sawdust was blown off it. Uh, we're off to the hospital, as you do. You don't think about it. You just go to the hospital in a situation like that, I imagine. And, um, and the thumb was sort of damaged in such a way that they couldn't really quite reattach it. They were hoping to reattach it. Uh, but So what they did was they took cut off his toe. Um, you don't do, this is the bit where you don't do it yourself now. You get the surgeon to do it now. The surgeon cut off his toe, put it on his thumb, trimmed it up a little bit so it looks more like a toe. Uh, less like a toe, more like a thumb. My dad's lucky he's one of those people whose feet and hands look roughly the same. <laughs> you know, it's pretty, you know, he's obviously one generation closer to the apes than me, and it's evident in this one small factor. And, um, yeah, so they trim up his thumb, so, and they got it sort of working, and then they put what was left of his uh, toe, uh, thumb, they put on his toe. This has got confusing. Anyhow. Uh, but my dad, because we grew up in a DIY house, uh, you know, we, he did DIY on the cars because the cars would break it down. And, uh, you know, everything everything that got done in the house, he would do it. And so when I was growing up, always the things you'd be doing was work. Because that's all I ever saw my dad doing was working. I never saw him watching the TV. I never saw him cooking or doing the washing uh, or anything like that. He was always just working. When we shifted to Wellington, we lived in the, the right at the back end of Karori, not far from where we are now, actually. And we had one of those steep backyards that you have in Wellington. My dad didn't like the steep backyard, so he dug it flat. Oh, <laughs> not like you'd do nowadays, because nowadays you'd get a man in with a digger, right? But my dad didn't. He got a shovel in and a pick and a wheelbarrow. We dug it flat, and then we built, built a retaining wall out the front of the house. All unpermitted, no engineers involved. Uh, and uh, he literally dug, I don't know, a few hundred cubic feet uh, of clay. out of there. And that's what we used to do after school. We'd, you know, we'd just go after school and swing the, swing the picket against the bank a bit. And, you know, and then uh, and, and all, all the time growing up, all I wanted to do was work. I wanted to be part of what my dad was doing. Why? why? Because Actually, because I loved him. Because every little boy loves his dad, and, and not just loves his dad, but wants to be part of his dad's world. And my dad's world was work. He would go to work, and he would come home, and to relax, he would dig out the backyard. Uh, it literally took about nine or 12 months just digging and digging and digging all through the winter, big clumps of clay. Uh, you know, more intelligent people could come up with the more entertaining things to do. But that's what, he, that's what we did as a family. We dug the backyard. And I, I even had, like a, I had my own hard, hard hat at two years old. It was a little bit big. But it's one of, the earliest, one of my earliest memories. And then we, we shifted into a house once where um, uh, Dad had done all the planning. Dad had built the house, and we were going to live in it. And so he didn't spend any money on landscaping because I could do it. Uh, he didn't. He was unaware of the fact that I can't do it, and uh, so I can remember digging it out, and I can remember just digging, and digging, and digging, and uh, and then Elliot would always be there with like a plastic, yellow plastic spade. So anything I would dig, he would dig too. Do you know what I mean? So I'd dig that bit, he would dig that bit too, and then I'd dig that bit, and then he did that bit too, and then he got more and more enthusiastic, and any bit got to the point where any bit I was about to dig, he'd be there with the spade. 
Uh, and that was less, it became less and less helpful the more enthusiastic he was. But it's the same thing. Uh, we want to be part of our dad's world. And I think it's the same when we think of our relationship with God. We want to be part of our dad's world. We want to be part of the real world. We want to be part of the big world. And that's actually what Nigel's prophecy is about is, hey, there's a big thing going on here that we can be part of or we can be spectators in. We can actually be part of it. It's not really our world. It's not our business where people are at. It's not our business, the miracles of healing and salvation and, and changing the city. That's God's job. But we can butt in with our yellow spade. We can get our blue, our blue hard hat and we can be involved in the God thing. We can be involved in this miracle of salvation that God's wanting to release in the world. We don't really have a right. It's too big for us, but we're allowed to sneak in. We're allowed to be part of it. Amen? You know, when there's work to be done, there's something powerful about just getting into it. Isn't there? There's something powerful about um, about doing things manfully, is the way you'd say in the old days, and now on days we'd have to think of a better word. But but doing things lustily is the old another old word, and uh, doing things full blooded is what my uncles used to say. Full blooded. Uh, there was there, I can remember one Saturday, my uncle bought a house on Davis Crescent when we, I was about eleven, and. Um, and uh, we had like a, everyone was around there because just shifting in and moving stuff around. And, and um, they'd sort of shifted everything in in the afternoon. And there was an old fish tank. You know, I don't know, everyone had a fish pond, eh? Terrible old fish pond in the front yard. It was, it was like, it was, it was hideous. It was like, you know, all, you know, whatever. And one of the uncles, you know, Uncle Steve, everyone's got a great uncle. If you don't have an Uncle Steve, you're missing out. And Uncle Steve says, oh, we should knock that uh, yeah, ruddy, uh, fish tank over. Knock it over. And, uh, you know, because we just shifted all everything. We might as well do something else. And so miraculously, sledgehammers appeared. Do you know what I mean? And people lined up. And the fish tank proved to be somewhat more difficult than something you just knock over in five minutes. Uh, and the uncles, I can remember my dad and uh, three uncles, and uh, they're just smashing at this fish tank. And we were all, me and all the cousins were all just watching because it's pretty impressive, uh, you know, when businessmen start swinging sledgehammers on a weekend. All, all four of them were computer software salesmen by day and sledgehammer swinging maniacs on a Saturday. And, and I can remember, they were getting more and more tired. I can remember they started to take turns. And um, so you had to take turns, and you had to do 10 full-blooded swings, and then your turn was finished. And then the next person would do 10 full-blooded swings. And I can remember there's one bit where a piece of concrete came flying off, hit Uncle Steve in the face, and he started bleeding. And he, he said, if you're not bleeding, you're not doing it right. Swung uh, some more. And it's still, it's one of those happy memories from childhood, do you know what I mean? Oh, that's how, and I can, I don't know, something's been impressed in my heart. Actually, that's how I want to live. If we're going to do it, let's do it full-blooded, whatever that means. Let's do it so that stuff smashes off and hits us in the face. Uh, there, there might be safer ways to do it, but there's, there's nothing funner than really getting stuck in and really being part of it. Jesus uses this language of the harvest. And, and, he, and Jesus just says, look, the harvest is ready. In another, in another part of the Bible, he says, you say there's four months and then the harvest. Jesus says, no, if I say to you, the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. What do we say? We always say there's four months and then the harvest. That's what we always say. Oh, well, when we do th- once we've done this, and then we've done this, and then we've done this, and then we've done that, then the harvest. Jesus says, no, it's not about the process, it's about the harvest. What do we focus on? The process. What do we focus on? The reasons why not. 
Jesus says that now is the day of salvation. Now is the time of harvest. Now is the time to break through. Jesus said it's not about the process. Forget about the process. Get working on harvest. I don't know if you've ever been involved in harvest. I've never been involved in any particularly serious harvesting, but I did do haymaking one summer on my uncle's farm. How many people have ever done haymaking? How many people have done the haymaking and you also suffer pretty significantly from hay fever? That's a powerful combination. I can remember that after the first day, because what you do is you pick up those small bales. In the old days, you just pick them up. Uh, and you just pick them up over your shoulder sort of thing, and then you hoose them up on the back of the trailer, and then people stack them tidily. Uh, I don't know why. That was my job, just picking things up and throwing them. There was more intelligent jobs to be done, driving the truck, not driving the truck, but my job was to pick things up. But then what you do is when you pick it up and you tip it up like that, you just get a nice little shower of dry hay and dust and it, it, pathogens, allergens. It's just... And then you hoist it up on the truck. And so you do, I don't know, you do about 12 hours of that on your little, you know, your 17-year-old skeleton. from, uh, and, uh, and I think my eyeballs were roughly the size of size four soccer balls. I can remember there was, a, there was a river running through the farm. I can remember at the end of work each day just lying in the river with my eyes open, face down in the water, just like, just trying to cool my eyeballs down. <laughs> From that experience to that experience, oh, I, I was talking to um, Bruce about it, and he was he was talking about harvest. And he remembers when he was young farming, less and less machinery. The further you go back, more and more hard work. They would be woken an hour before sunrise <laughs> to get ready and get out there, so that they were on in the paddocks. They were out in the paddocks on the machines, ready to like the sun comes up, go, and they would work until the sun went down. Food would be brought to them, and they would just work from the sunrise from up and out. But they would work; they'd be physically putting things on the truck all day long until the sun went down again for three or four weeks during the harvest time. But if you get it wrong at harvest time, you ruin your whole year. You get it wrong at harvest time, you ruin the future. You get it wrong at harvest time, you minimize and you ruin the past. Harvest time is a critical, critical moment. There's four things I want to say about harvest, and then we're going to pack up for the day. Is that all right? First thing is this. Number one, harvest is ready. What God wants to do in Wellington, God is doing now. He's not doing it next year. He's, we're not building up to something. We're right now doing what God's doing in Wellington. We're right now part of it. Right now what God's doing in Wellington is what you do tomorrow is what God's doing in Wellington. What you do on Tuesday is what God's doing in Wellington. God's not getting us ready for the next thing, God. We are the next thing. We're it. The church of Jesus Christ is God's only plan on earth. He sent Jesus. So he... He's got Adam and Eve, then he's got Abraham. He had Noah before that, right? Moses, the children of Israel, into the promised land. Joshua, the kings, Solomon, David, Solomon, Saul, all that, right? God's using all these different, he's got, the, he's got this nation of Israel. Then he sends Jesus, that was God's plan. And then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to fill the church. That's the plan. Right now, that's the plan. The Holy Spirit, this is the whole plan now. The Holy Spirit fills up all these people who are Christians, and then they carry God individually in small groups. They carry God into workplaces, families, neighborhood streets, and God changes the world through the church. Ephesians says it this way, the, the Holy Spirit fills the church, and then the church fills everything everywhere with His presence. That's the plan. God, there's, God's not doing anything else. 
God's not in heaven working on other plans. God's not in heaven consulting with a soil technician. God's not in heaven talking to the grain merchants. God's just in heaven working the harvest. He's not thinking about anything else. He's in charge of the harvest, and we pray to God, send out more workers into the harvest. What's God focusing on? He's the Lord of the harvest. He's focusing on the harvest. Do you know what God's done already? He's done sowing, and now do you know what God's doing? God's doing reaping. How long did God do sowing? He did it for thousands and thousands of years. He's preparing soil and working. Do you know what God's doing now? God is bringing in harvest. That's what he's doing. Since Jesus came, Jesus said, now is harvest time. Romans chapter 10 says, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that God's bringing things together and making things happen, right? The thing about harvest, the harvest is now, but harvest is time sensitive. You've got to get you've got to get it in before the rain comes. I don't know how many people um, do like a bit of a plan with their devotions. You read a, you know a book of the Bible, then you move on to another book of the Bible. Have you ever moved to a book of the Bible and gone, oh flipping heck, this is intense? <laughs> Have you ever done that? I did. That. I'm in Jeremiah, and Jeremiah one is awesome, but from Jeremiah two onwards, it's just death, destruction, judgment. Famine, pestilence, all coming from the north. And I've just been struck in my personal devotions. God is a God of judgment. In the Bible, we know this is a season of harvest, but the season after harvest is a season of judgment. God says he's going to come again and he will judge the living and the dead, right? If you want to read about that, it's in the book of Revelation. Also a scary devotional reading. Do it in the morning, don't do it at night. But come on, the reality here, the reality is this, that we need to follow God with everything we've got and we need to be involved with what God's doing with everything we've got because today is the day of salvation and it's time sensitive. Number two, harvest is hard work. Everyone say hard work. You know, it is hard work, but the Bible says the labor is worthy of his his hire. The labor is worthy of hire. I think that God gives an honest day's pay for an honest day's work. I've got friends who are older than me, who've been following Jesus longer than me. And when I look at their lives, I think that they've been paid pretty handsomely for the efforts they've put into the kingdom. I think that they've, got a, they've, got, they've been rewarded, not necessarily financially, but they've been rewarded. They have a richness of life that they simply wouldn't have had if they weren't engaged in harvest. I think that Isaac and Malachi are doing the very best thing they could possibly do for their year 10 education to be here early on a Sunday morning. I think they're doing themselves a, a favor being in an environment like this where they're learning how to work in another level, not just working for the sake of working, but working as part of what God's doing in the world. I think of the, the youth leaders who work hard Friday nights gathering youth together. What? That's fun, isn't it? Let's organize some teenagers all into the same space and let's do something that they all enjoy. Pretty hard when in any given moment all of them hate everything and the world and you. Uh, it's not easy, right? But there's a lot of work that goes into it. Come on, what about Mia? She's not just organizing the kids' kids. She has to organize the kids' leaders, right? And how many people know you come with these kids' leaders out there? It's not easy to run a roster, is it? That's not easy, right? But it's work, right? What about people who are working in their different environments? Patsy's just started a new job in the corrections department. If Patsy's not working in the corrections department because, hey, this is a great career move, Putty's working in the Christian department because he has an opportunity, again, to be involved in the work of God. 
you know, you could just go to work and do your job. And it, do you know what? If you go to work with a sense of vision and passion and harvest, do you know what? It will be harder. If you go to your job with the, hey, I'm not just in my job, I'm, all, I'm here to, to work in the kingdom as well as working in my job, do you know what? Your job will be harder. I can guarantee you, because harvest is hard work, right? This is not a sermon that, hey, if, you work with, if you're working in the kingdom, it's going to be easier. Do you know what? If you're working in the kingdom, it's going to be harder. Why? You're going to have to care about the person sitting next to you. You're going you're to have to worry about where people are at in their life. You're going to have to pray for people. You're going to need to be a, a, a witness all of the time. You're not going to be able to have bad days where you swear at everyone and kick people in the, you know, throw hot coffee in people's faces. You know, you have to be a senior pastor before you can do that. Right? You can't do that. If you're working for the kingdom, you can't have days like that. Right? You're going to you're gonna have to work harder in the, if you're going to work in the kingdom. But do you know what? You'll be rewarded in that space if you work for the kingdom. Everyone say, harvest is hard work. Uh, number three, harvest is priority. No, no farmer, during harvest time, no farmers are painting their fences. They're not painting their fences. Farmers are not having meetings with the bank manager during harvest time. Some of the Acts churches, we've got our national conference, all the pastors from our movement are gathering next week. A bunch of them can't come because of the, just the wrong time of year for their farm. They don't even say, oh, look, I'll see what I can do. They just say, no, we're not coming. We're not coming to your national conference because it's harvest. We're in the middle of doing, doing I don't know, I, I, Oh, they're doing something. It's the South Islanders this time. At various times of year, different groups can't come to different things. Um, some of us from the city don't understand what that means. But Bruce, Pastor Bruce is the leader of the movement. He knows exactly what they're talking about. So it makes more sense, right? But harvest is priority. We're not worrying about fertilization. They're not doing strategy planning. They do do strategy planning, but during harvest, they don't. They just get the harvest in. The main strategy is to finish the strategy, get the harvest in. You know, I was just thinking about it. You know, during harvest time, you might be driving a truck or a tractor. You might be just picking things up, throwing them in. That's what I, all I did, picking up, throw it in. You might be driving some sort of complex machine. You, you might be cooking the scones to get taken out. But whatever you're doing, it's about harvest. And, you know, it's the same in what we're doing. If, if we're part of the kingdom, you know, whatever you're doing, it's about harvest. It's not about the scones. It's about the harvest. Yeah, yeah, let's make the best scones possible, right? Let's drive the tractor as immaculately as possible. But it's never about the driving of the tractor or about the scones. Same, like, so, for instance, when, when Emma's here leading worship, it's not about the worship. It's about the harvest, we want to create an environment for worship so we can connect with God and we can be more effectively. I was thinking, the worship team are most like the ladies making the scones for the people working. Why? To keep the workers moving. Is it important to have good scones? Yes. Is, are we just here to make scones? No. On a, on a Sunday, I want you, everyone in church needs to be encouraged and empowered, lifted up, had a good laugh, do said some inappropriate jokes from the platform. Uh, you, there we do the 180 for 180 on purpose to make people talk to you, right? You can put on a face that will make everyone go away. I know how to, I know, it's all right. I'll teach you how to do it if you want to. I'll show you how to do it. It comes naturally to me. We, you know, but it's not about Sunday. Sunday's the scones and the jam and the whipped cream, hopefully, right? But it's about harvest. We come to church on Sunday to praise and worship God because He's worthy of it, but also to be encouraged. You know, in the New Testament, it's the only reason mentioned for gathering together. Gather together, encourage one another. 
gather together, encourage one another. Why? Because it's about harvest. You know, you might be a, um, you might work for MPI, you might be an early childhood educator, you might be a computer guy at Weta Digital, whatever that does. Uh, you might be collecting taxes, cutting people open, whatever your job is. That's if you're a surgeon, not if you're just a mask fella, murderer. But you know, whatever you're, come on, whatever you're doing, it's about harvest. It's about harvest. What Jesus is doing in the world is harvest. He's bringing people in. He's bringing people into salvation. He's setting people free. He's healing the sick, raising the dead, cleansing lepers and casting out demons. That's the whole next sermon. That's what Jesus wants us doing. Amen? Number four, harvest is people. The question you need to, the thing you need to write down if you're taking notes is, who is my harvest? who's Who's the harvest field for you? If you, when you read Matthew chapter 10, it will talk to you, it will tell you what you need to do. You need to raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons, which means you need to deal with impossible problems. You need to deal with immediate problems, heal the sick, cast, raise the dead, immediate problems, impossible problems. You need to cleanse the lepers. So you need to deal with surface issues. And you, need to, and you need to cast out demons. You need to deal with the real hidden issues behind things. And then it says you need to go to towns and find people of favor. You read it all through. It tells you exactly how to do it. It says don't take any money with you. Don't take a stick with you. So don't worry about your protection and your safety, your security. Don't worry about how you're going to pay your bills. Declare the kingdom wherever you go. That's the job, right? But the question you've got to ask yourself is who? Where are you going? How are you going to do it? And why? Jesus said we need to send, we need to pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Why? Because he had compassion on people. It all gets really stupid. Evangelism and reaching out and being a Christian gets really stupid if we forget that Jesus loves people. And if we forget that this is a harvest season, not a judgment season. Jesus sends us out to harvest, and most most, some of us, the temptation is, and you can, I think it's easy to see in the church, a temptation to go out and judge rather than going out and harvesting. We don't need, we don't even need, we don't even need to care what people's sins are. Because if you know yourself, you know that everybody is sinning. Right? So we don't need to care what people's sins are, but we do need to care for them. We need to care for them in the way that Jesus did, caring for the fact that they are scattered, caring about the fact that they're cast away. Do you know that in Matthew chapter 10 it says that if people won't listen to you, move on. What do we do? If people don't listen to us, we break down in tears. Or we harangue them. Great, two great options. So when I was reading Matthew chapter 10, I thought, oh man, I don't think most people who write about evangelism have ever read this. Just talk to people who want to talk to you, people who are open. Talk to them about it. And then if people aren't open, move on. <laughs> what do we do? We find, we find someone who doesn't want to hear, and then we harangue them. And instead of, instead of drawing them into the love of God because of the compassion of Christ, we tell them all the things that are wrong in their life. And we have an argument with them about the nature of reality. That's... 
you know, people say, I'm not really into evangelism. Well, I'm not into that either. I'm not into having arguments with people and haranguing people or talking about marriage laws or homosexuality laws or creation and evolution. I'm not interested. I'm personally interested in all those things, but that's not my job. That's just a hobby. In Christianity, my theology is my hobby. My job is harvest. When you're picking up the hay bales, you can have as many thoughts as you want about the nature of hay, the climate, the quality of the tractor, the quality of the person driving the tractor, the nature of the other person picking up the hay bale, how good is the hay. All of those opinions are really great. If you stop and start talking about it, Uncle Steve will have an opinion about you. Right? Seriously, the theology is my hobby. Harvest is my job. And I think that's the same. Do you know what? I think it's the same for you. I think psychology is a hobby. Harvest is a job. I think engineering is a hobby. Harvest is a job. I, th- I really do. I really do. Well, I was a school teacher. School teaching is a hobby. It's a good hobby. Nine to three. It's 15 weeks off a year. It's a great hobby. <laughs> Senior pastor is a good hobby. Keeps me busy. Make the budget. Organize some rosters. Make up some sermons. It's good. Keeps me busy. But harvest is my job. My 10 unsafe friends who I pray for every day, that's my job. That's what I'm on earth for. That's what's going to make a difference. Amen? Why don't you close your eyes and bow your heads and let's pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you that you're here and that you're here in great power. The reality of your presence is manifest amongst us. Lord, I thank you that as we've gathered to pray and worship, Lord, as we've looked into your word, Lord, we thank you that you're transforming us from glory to glory. Lord God, by your spirit, you're working in us, Lord God, a weight of glory, a weight of glory. Lord, you're building and strengthening and empowering us, Lord, for harvest. Perhaps you're here and you've never made a decision to acknowledge Jesus. Or maybe you are here and for whatever reason you've walked away from God. I'd love to give you an opportunity to recommit your life to Him. Or maybe even for the very first time, make a decision to invite Jesus into your life. At church on a Sunday, we give people this opportunity every week just to pray together with us as we commit our hearts to God. Asking Jesus to forgive our sins and choosing to follow Him. If you're doing that for the first time though, or if you're doing it especially to recommit your life to Him, just before we pray, we're all going to pray together in just a minute, but if you're doing this especially this morning, uh, well, I'm just looking around and everyone else got their heads bowed, eyes closed. Why don't you just shoot your hand up and give me a wave and say, that's me. I want to acknowledge Jesus as my Savior. I want to choose to follow Him and I want to make Him the Lord of my life, either for the first time or as a recommitment of your life. If that's you, shoot your hand up now. And when I've seen it, you can put your hand back down. uh, And then we're going to pray in just a few seconds. I haven't seen anybody's hand yet. If you're wanting to respond, just make it really clear for me. And then we can pray. That's awesome. Well, so I just want to pray. I just want us to pray before we go. Is that all right? Uh, How many people feel committed to harvest? How many people feeling anyone feeling provoked? Yeah, yeah, why don't you jump to your feet? Let's pray. Uh, lift your hands as a way to respond to God. And I'll, I'll pray on the microphone, but actually, I might even, maybe I won't even. I'll just pray myself without the microphone. But let's pray. Could we, could we pray? Maybe, maybe there's some things you need to say to God in, in terms of commitment. Uh, maybe there's some things you need to just to, to release. Maybe there's some frustrations you need to let go of. Maybe even you're, you're here, and I, I just think this is true, that for a bunch of you, actually what you really need is some revelation about the who, the what, the where, the how, the why of harvest. 
that actually you need God to speak to you about some of these, some of the basics of, of where you're called to make a difference and make an impact for the kingdom. Let's pray together. Is that all right? You lift your voices and I'll, I'll pray as well and let's pray. Let's reach out to God together. Thank you, Jesus, that you're here. And Lord God, I just thank you for every person gathered. Spirit, I just pray for your people this morning. Lord, I pray that as we go into this week and beyond, Lord God, that we'd be full, Lord God, with the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord God, that we'd be able to be everything that you've called us to be. Lord, I pray for those on a journey, Lord God, to discover calling, to discover vision for their life. Lord, I pray that their times of devotion, Lord God, you'd set the Word of God on fire in their heart. Lord God, for those who need perspective, Lord, I pray that they have dreams and visions and revelation of the difference you're calling them to make in the neighborhood they're in, maybe in their workplace or amongst their family, Lord God. We thank you, Jesus, for your power at work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Very, very cool. Awesome. Um, we are, we got church tonight at 5 o'clock. 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock, not 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, sort of. Anyway, yeah. How are you guys? I'll just give yourself a pat on the back, everyone. You guys did very, very well getting here an hour early. Uh, this is the difficult uh, time for Daylight Savings for pastors because it, uh, the, the later on, you know, in the six months' time, when it changes the other way, it just means there's more people at the prayer meeting. Uh, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, so well done. And um, I just got this, I just, I just got this thought that, I, that, that there's a whole, there's a whole world that God wants to bring you into. There's a whole world that God wants to bring you into. But it begins by allowing Him to work inside you. The, all of the impossible, the impossible of God is all in here. It's God working in here. And I think we get it so wrong, we get stuck in our own head and obsess about all sorts of detail. But what we need to do is we need to live out in the world, but allow God to work in here. We do it the other way around. We stay in here, and then God's way out there. We need to allow God in here, and that's what allows us to then live outside of ourselves. Maybe just close your eyes. I just want to pray for people. You, actually, you know what you know what I mean. You're stu- you're stuck inside yourself. I just want you to respond. Maybe lift your hands, or maybe just respond in prayer. You just get trapped in your own thinking. Maybe it's things like anxieties or worries. Maybe it's, it, it it can also be shame or despair, but or it can also just be busy, 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 busy. You just get stuck in your head. And that prevents you from living outside of yourself, reaching out. Holy Spirit, right now, for those responding, I just release your anointing. I just release your anointing, God. Those lifting their hands, opening their hearts. 
Lord God, right now, I just just declare freedom and I just declare a, a shifting of perspective, a shifting of focus. Lord God, that there be a freedom outside themselves, Lord God, as you begin working. Lord God, we thank you that it's according to your power at work in us, Lord God, working in us that allows us to move and that have an impact in the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Awesome. Very cool. Um, good. Hey, morning tea time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very good. Lunchtime. It's lunchtime. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Give someone a high five. Uh, say hello to someone you didn't see in the 180 for 180. And uh, we'll see you again tonight at 4.